0: Okay, ButcherBox, you guys have heard me talk about them before. They're a product, a service that I used even before they responses of ours because I really value you know, high-quality meat and seafood that I trust. We are talking 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, all of it delivered conveniently right to your door. You don't have to run around four or five different grocery stores and fancy butchers to get high-quality stuff. And it's cheaper than all those places, and it's easier. It's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's just super convenient. Sign up for ButcherBox today by going to butcherbox.com underworld and use code underworld at checkout and enjoy your choice of bone-in chicken thighs, top sirloins, or salmon in every box for an entire year. Plus, you get $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com underworld and use code underworld
1: That's Nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's kni
2: On January 28th this year, a Bangkok local government official is checking the Facebook page of a volunteer group he's set up to help folks struggling financially during the pandemic. Among the messages, there's a disturbing video from an 18-year-old Thai girl, her eyes swollen from crying. I'm in a building opposite the karaoke bar, says the girl. She travelled from Bangkok to the Thai-Cambodia border, she adds, where she's been promised a job in the seedy Cambodian casino town of Poipet, But everything has gone tragically wrong. Once across the border, she's been told her new role will actually be to scam strangers online. And if she wants to leave, her father will have to pay 40,000 baht over 1,000 US dollars. I know everything. And I'm afraid that he'll kill me, she says, referencing the boss who has tricked her into this criminal world. I don't know what he'll do to the others after this, and I don't know if I can contact you again. I've heard that at least 20 or 30 people have died. The official, Ekapop Luang Pratert, is bemused at first. Perhaps this video is a scam, he wonders. But the Thai team sends location details and photos from her Cambodian compound. And in the coming months, Dozens more trafficking victims share their own stories, sent into slavery in casino towns all over Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar. Each one has a tale of misery orchestrated by Chinese gangsters. Hotspots like Poipet and Sihanoukville in Cambodia, and the Golden Triangle Special Economic Zone in Laos, the home of notorious casino, the King's Romans, are the worst hit. As the pandemic's halting of tourism, forces local crooks to branch into even more violent crimes these special economic zones or sez's are tax havens legal no-man's lands criminal black holes patrolled by private security instead of cops where kingpins and gambling millionaires hold sway rather than politicians or local laws that means that whoever gangsters trick across the border belong to them they're slaves for scams beaten electrocuted starved and sold into even worse indentured servitude if they refuse to play ball. Some are shipped onto the casino floor. Others are forced into sex work. Ekopop, through his Facebook group, has heard almost every version of this sad story. Thai cops struggled to work on foreign soil, so he's become this trafficking market's unofficial saviour. By July this year, he'd rescued almost 140 people from it, being ultra careful not to tip off mafia leaders or the SEZ's many guards and goons. The slaves have come from all over, some from Sihanoukville and Poipet, others from Lao capital, Vientiane, and even La, a Myanmar-Manhattan whose mould high-rises were built by a former Chinese soldier, and whose reputation for drugs and wildlife trafficking has endured for decades. These tales are just the tip of an iceberg of massive organised crime, deadly mafias, narco-trafficking, Human slavery and entire cities created just to serve a lucrative new market in cybercrime. The SEZs might just be the most lawless places on earth. Welcome to the Underworld Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the podcast where we teach you all the life hacks you'll need to sneak into a Chinese mafia-run casino. I'm your host, Sean Williams in Berlin. I'm a freelance writer, reporter, podcaster, and future consultant in German bureaucracy. And I'm joined today by Nathan Southern, a security specialist investigating conflict, trafficking, drugs, war, terror, and Lindsay Kennedy, a journalist, photographer, videographer focused on security and human rights. Nathan, Lizzie, pleasure to have you both here.
3: Thanks, man. I'll uh, I'll try and speak as digestible and slow in my Glaswegian accent as possible.
2: (laughs) It's a a beautiful bro.
4: Thanks
2: for having us. Uh, So, you guys are both in Glasgow, Scotland, after a long journey from Southeast Asia. And uh, I just want to make clear that the story I just led this show with is not my own. It's taken from a recent feature you both wrote yourselves for The Diplomat, about this giant, crazy network of so-called slaves for scams, um, an SEZ, some of which we've gotten into with our episode on the Billion Dollar Meth Lab, Kansar. It's a it's a fascinating and tragic topic. Uh, I'd say I'm a pretty tragic character, so guys, welcome to the show, and you can be the fascinating uh, two-thirds of this triple act for the next three-quarters of an hour or so. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I could live up to that, Billy. No? I hope you guys can. <laughs> um, now, before we get into anything, the usual plug for our Patreon, which I think as we're recording this, Dale is putting up a bonus episode from Danny about Mexican cartels. There's one of mine about crime and the porn industry. I'm going to do a mini show about that fake cricket scam league thing in India. It's all good stuff. And we're going to take a short break after this episode for the summer holidays and for some other behind the scenes reasons we'll be able to discuss soon. But, Firstly, I'm keen to hear how you guys both got wind of this whole illicit market, how you got in touch with this guy, Ekapop Luang Presert. I hope I'm saying his name right. Thai names are <laughs> quite difficult to get right. Uh, he's the Thai official helping people escape. And what you saw in the Golden Triangle, which is a place close to my own heart, of course. So, yeah, tell us about that, because a trip out there is never, ever a dull thing.
3: Yeah, so th- this all started for us in Cambodia back in 2021. And um, weirdly enough, Cambodia hadn't really been hit by COVID until February. And they had an incident called the February 20th incident, which we started looking into for a piece in Al Jazeera about how COVID started spreading through the country. And <laughs> it essentially came from high-class Chinese prostitutes being flown in on a private jet uh, from Dubai and then couldn't spend the two weeks in quarantine and instead tested positive on arrival and then were snuck out of the hotels to go and service... VIP Cambodian and Chinese officials in the capital. And from there, that's what spread COVID. Uh, so we started looking at this and then started seeing these other uh, like hotspots starting to be triggered around the country. And they all seemed to come back to these dodgy little casino towns, uh, usually on the border of Thailand or Vietnam or maybe in Sinoville. We realized that just so much was coming back to these casinos. And then it just started becoming obvious that it was about human trafficking. No one was in the casinos at the time. Uh, Cambodians aren't actually allowed to use the casinos themselves. It's only foreigners that can, and no one can come into the country. So we started realizing there was human trafficking, there was human smuggling, there was just a whole load of bad stuff happening in these in these dodgy areas so we started to look at this and then the first wind we got of these scam centers was something called the the China project It became known as in Sihanoukville this big port city in Cambodia which is famous for um, new Chinese developments and the triads basically and in this area there is a compound that's maybe about a dozen or so buildings, maybe about nine or ten levels high and it was revealed that it was just full of at least hundreds of slaves. People who were being forced to stay inside the compound and do online scams. But we didn't know much more than that at the time. So we went out and seen the place and thought, well, once this story's broke, surely surely that's going to be the end of it. Surely when you've got hundreds of people in a huge compound. And this this is an area as well, this isn't like some sketchy, tiny border town. This is Scenotville, where if you've been a backpacker in Cambodia, you will have went through Scenotville to get a boat to, to one of the islands, right? Mm. Um, and we go up and it's just covered in barbed wire. The only people allowed to come in and out are clear Chinese gangsters, just dudes in G-wagons, black T-shirts covering the dragon tattoos. We're trying to get access. They're getting pretty aggressive. We realize that right next door is a police station. So this whole thing has been operating right next door to the local officials. Then it just started popping up everywhere. Like everything that we were looking at around organized crime security, casinos kept coming up and we heard more and more accounts of these. Slave compounds. Um, we were actually in, uh, in, in Laos looking at a completely different issue. We were looking at wildlife trafficking. And we were speaking to this dude who helps rescue uh, bears um, from traffickers, which was you know, nice and kind of sweet. And then he showed us these two red pandas. And we're like, oh yeah, these were, these were seized on the way coming back from China. Like that's that's pretty weird you don't usually have yeah. the high value wildlife coming in right like it's, always, it's always going out to China and like do you think it would maybe be you know King's Roman's Casino oh yeah 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 I think so and he said my friend's just back from working there like, oh yeah what was he doing the casino's been closed He's like yeah, I mean, he was doing some kind of call centre thing, but I don't think he was allowed to leave. And that was the second we just clicked. All right, great, great, it's spread. It's it, This is the exact same thing. It must be, can we meet him? And mm-hmm. then we ended up having a beer with him. This guy was really, really messed up. Uh, he explained the situation. He'd been in there for six months. He wasn't allowed to leave. He was tortured. Uh, it was it was really brutal. Um, so then we started really looking at this, asking around, and everyone seemed to know about it happening in Laos, but no one outside the country. So then that kind of brought us to the, the Golden Triangle, which is, I mean, you've seen it. It's it's just an insane place. I mean, we were, we were looking at other types of trafficking out there, like interviewing different human traffickers, drug traffickers, and they just don't care. They're not concerned at all about getting stopped by the cops. We, uh, <laughs> there was one drug trafficker who's a police informant as well, because he obviously got caught and you know, how to make a deal. And we meet him at the Myanmar border. He says, All right, let's do the interview. Let's do the Golden Triangle, the main tourist part of the Golden Triangle. And we're like, <laughs> Yeah, is that the, that's the most subtle bit, is it, buddy? Like, right, right by where you take the photos of the sign that says, Welcome to the Golden Triangle? And he was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And he gets to the back of the pickup, but he's got COVID, so he's not allowed in the pickup. So he's wearing his balaclava the whole time. They floor at about 120 miles an hour. We, me and Lindsay are tailing behind. And I'm like, I'm trying to keep up. And I'm like, man, do I really want to die for this, but also like low profile dude. You're driving through checkpoints you're just not stopping. (laughs) No wonder you got caught right? And then everywhere in the golden triangle you're looking over at King's Romans and then everyone we're speaking to realising this is known for drug trafficking, human trafficking but the more people we speak to realise the bigger and bigger an issue was that Thai people were then being um, enticed into these scam centres in in Laos and King's Romans and not allowed to leave and don't trust the authorities can't get in touch with anyone to help them because these SEZs are essentially law all are controlled by you know one gangster, mm. um, and then that's when we started speaking to the people who were involved in the rescues, and that's where that's where Ekapop came in. So we we met him in in Bangkok, um, and he started telling us how he was he was the only you know one of the very few people who's actually able to to help people get out of these you know horrific uh, scam centers.
2: Yeah, um, first of all, bonus points for mentioning Dubai. I really didn't think Dubai was going to come up, but it all it in, <laughs> invariably does somehow <laughs> um yeah <laughs> Always, i I've, I've seen kind of how uh the police and the authorities there do absolutely nothing i think i was speaking to a meth smuggler meth smuggler husband and wife and <laughs> there sweet. was there was a there, i think one of the friendship bridges that goes across the mekong round there between two two countries and they they just sort of hopped through a little hole in the fence before they they got to the uh, border control and they just walked casually up they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry. They, we never even go up to the border control now. We just walk around them. Um, but <laughs> Lindsay, I mean, That's what American. does this what does this industry actually look like? You know, what's the hierarchy? Who are the kingpins running this stuff? Um, and you know, are they are they working hand in glove with the authorities then?
4: Yeah, so the thing is, so these SEZs are supposed to just be essentially business parks. That's the point of them. They're supposed to be sort of one-stop shops for tax, um, sort of dealing with all of your sort of import and export tax and that kind of thing. So they're supposed to be really above board, and some of them are in some parts of the world. Um, but the these SEZs these in Cambodia and in Laos and Myanmar, um, what they essentially have become is areas where the police don't think they can come in because they're run by individual Chinese interests, a lot of whom are like known gangsters, have served a lot of time in China. Um, some of them have then come to places like Cambodia and managed to get citizenship as well um, um, and become sort of very influential in politics. But... Um, sometimes these SEZs contain uh, casinos themselves. Sometimes casinos and SEZs are just very close together. Um, but either way, the issue is is that they, there is this sort of mistaken um, assumption by local authorities that they can't send their own people in. So in um, the Golden Triangle SEZ, which is the most notorious one, that's that's run by a guy called Zawe, um, who is a very, very sort of notorious um a casino owner and gangster uh, who sort of started off in Macau and then um, was involved in casinos in Mong La, which is like one of the scariest bits of Myanmar, um, and was there until a lot of that got shut down in sort of about 2006, I think. Um, And then he moved over to Laos and set up his own SEZ and put a casino in that. And the... The local police say we're not allowed in without his permission. So if they get a call saying there's been a murder even inside the Golden Triangle SEZ, they have to find someone powerful enough to negotiate with Zhao White to be able to go inside the SEZ and they have to leave their guns at the door. So that's like, what. that's but the same names come up again and again. So you've got, Sao Wai is uh, in charge of the Golden Triangle SEZ. You've got a guy called Broken Tooth, Wang Kwok Khoi, is called Broken Tooth because he lost a lot of teeth in a fight once when he was on his teenagers, I think, teens, I think. Um, and he, uh, this guy went to prison in Macau in the 90s um, for running illegal gambling stuff. But by the time he came back out of prison, um, Macau had transferred back over to China from Portugal. So he sort of did very well at positioning himself as this great patriot and then um going and setting up for overseas businesses all over southeast Asia um sort of half halfway between saying they're like you know casino businesses and they're all and it's all just purely about money and halfway between sort of making out that he's there sort of as a unofficial business ambassador of China sort of furthering Chinese interests abroad so you've got this guy and then there's a guy called like su e and another guy called su jong These guys also both did a lot of time in prison um, in China for illegal gambling rings, but then were able to move to Cambodia and get gambling licenses, get um paid for citizenship in Cambodia, which you can do by basically just making a hundred grand donation to the government. Oh, um nice. and yeah. um yeah no, <laughs> it's pretty, it's nice. And um so yeah, so they've all managed to get citizenship in, in Cambodia and have and managed to get themselves photographed with like senior politicians, often with like even like the deputy prime minister. One of them, Su Zhang, Zhang is also a close business associate of a guy called Tripeup, who we've been looking into for years because he's he's a massive like, illegal logging magnate. So he's in with him as well, and he's also in with Hunto, who's the nephew of the prime minister. So they're all really, really—they've all got really deep roots, basically, in all the kind of like, uh, in sort of in with polit- political figures, in with like the authorities, and in with like senior business, um sort of business people in Cambodia and Laos as well. So they just—they basically just become untouchable. Yeah. Uh,
2: so th- what is this 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 kind of phenomenon of the gangster patriot then? What? What is that? Who are these guys? Like, how does it keep all of this stuff running?
4: The way that Broken Tooth's gone about it and um and a lot of others following suit is he does this thing where he sets up things called Hongmen Associations. And the Hong like, Hongmen is um Hong- it, Hong- it's kind Men. of like yeah. The Hong Men, the Hong Men, yeah. Or sometimes it's it's spelled Hung Men, which I find quite funny. But anyway, but like, um, so he sets them, he sets them up all over the place, like from Cambodia to Palau, which is a tiny little island in the Pacific, um, to Uganda, like all over the place. And the idea is supposed to be that these are like furthering like Chinese culture or celebrating Chinese culture and business interests. But they actually go back for like hundreds and hundreds of years. So they used to be this kind of like. What you call like a mutual aid association where like different Chinese business people would like help each other out in a different country. But they're, they're also heavily linked into the 14K triads, which, um, Broken Tooth was, um, quite senior in back in the nineties. Um, so that's, it's kind of, it's quite hard to unpick to what extent they are just. Yeah, mutual aid associations, kind of like little mini chambers of commerce, mm. and to what extent they are chapters of of the mafia, basically. So they set them up all over the place, and then there, there becomes this kind of like weird confusion, like I said, about like whether or not these are. Like to, to what extent they are linked to the government or what, to what extent they're doing work for the Chinese government by furthering their interests. Um, but they also have this really mental history, Hongmen associations of being kind of secret societies that have their own things like, um, that have their own coins or develop their own currencies. So there's been this like natural progression into selling cryptocurrencies and developing new crypto coins around the world, which like just, it's, it's it's really bonkers, basically. Like it's kind of like, it's this natural extension of this like, um, of these secret golden coins they used to share like hundreds of years ago. So <laughs> <laughs> so they managed, to, like, it's completely bonkers. So like then they'll, then they'll end up being able to get kind of get loads of investment, and get loads of interest in new cryptocurrencies because it kind of feeds into this like ancient cultural thing. And one of the most mental ones of this is, so um, Broken Tooth's deputy in the World Men Association in Malaysia is a guy called Nikki Liu. Like, so yeah, he is, was heavily involved with another guy, a fraudster called Zhang Jian. And this guy ran the what, biggest Ponzi scheme in Chinese history. And it was mostly about uh, various different coins that he was launching. He used to call himself the world's future richest man, uh, <laughs> which I thought was a brilliant expression. Right? Um, and so he ran a bunch of Ponzi schemes, but most of them were around this thing called a crypto scam called Wuxing Coin. And he used to do all kinds of uh, like crazy stunts. Like he uh, organized a thing where a hundred nuns up in like, the mountains in china all shaved their heads and announced that they were like committed to his cryptocurrency slash cult slash religion and like wrote the name of the currency across their heads and got themselves photographed doing that which is mental and then he went to uh, malaysia and he managed in penang he put on this this dinner it was like meant to be this really exclusive event where you had to pay $200 to come to get like a glimpse of him but you could only come only the only people allowed to come were men with blonde hair so all of the, his followers in Malaysia dyed their hair like yellow or gold paid like their $200 and then rock up to come to his event and it turns out he's not even there he's hanging out in the Maldives so like <laughs> um so there's like so he but yeah but his protege sorry i know this is like a massive tangent his protege is this guy called Nicky Lau who was the deputy at um, at the World Home Men Society? So then he kind of took a lot of his ideas about like scamming people through cryptocurrencies and started recreating them in places like Malaysia. And then it was kind of like this natural progression from crypto scams to a massive online. Scams involving fake crypto investments that then started staffing themselves with um, basically with masses and masses of slaves who were tricked it into coming and working for them. So that's been this weird gradual progression of the industry over the last ten years or ten or so years.
2: Fucking hell! I think that's the best answer to any <laughs> question I've ever asked in my <laughs> whole career. So we've got hung men, hung men hanging out around the world. We've got a guy that runs a giant Ponzi scheme, including shaving the heads of nuns and writing the name of his (laughs) coin on their heads. or And then another guy, oh no, the same guy who (laughs) sets up a party for blonde-haired men, famously in abundance in Malaysia, and then buggers off (laughs) to the Maldives. Uh, And and, and this kind of altcoin crypto Ponzi scheme, that's the sort of stuff that people are getting roped into in these border towns, right? Yeah,
4: yeah, exactly. So it's kind of... These are the basis of the scams. They're all different types of like online investment scam. A lot of them involve crypto. But they've kind of come off the back of semi-legitimate attempts to launch real cryptocurrencies by these gangsters who kind of try and merge the idea of cryptocurrencies into a sort of kind of extension of being a good Chinese patriot when they're actually just trying to set up new gangster initiatives. it's The whole thing is completely mental, yeah. to be honest with you. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay, so how, uh,
2: I mean, I guess, I mean, obviously you went on this crazy trip into the region and you've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, you mentioned to me before we came on that you'd been, you actually went out in May, right? And you went to the King's, well, you went to the, the yeah. King's Romans Casino. Unbelievably weird. Bonkers place. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that because uh, I assume it didn't all go to plan and wasn't just your average trip down the local uh, gambling den, <laughs> as as I often do. <laughs> what the
3: fuck am I talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um. It, yeah, so it took us two attempts to get into King's Roman. So the first time we went there was was um was in Laos in, in May just after Laos had, had reopened its borders and and the place was like broken man like they have been completely closed for 2 years there i mean this is why a lot of people are getting brought into these scams as well people are so desperate for cash they've completely run out of fuel when we crossed over the border into Laos there were no taxis no buses nothing and we thought all right, well, I mean, it's like a 10-mile walk to the next town, and the only person offering to take us was a local border official who said he would take us for 100 bucks. He'd just change out of his, uh, his military uniform and we'd have to sit in the back of his truck. And it was just like, the place is just kind of broken. And then when we found out that this was happening at King's Romans, these would scam things. We're like, all right, we need to go over there. We need to go over there anyway, because it's, it's King's Romans' mental need to see it. Mm. Um, it's mostly known for the wildlife trafficking and the meth trades. We want to see it anyway, and then we found that this was happening. We, we knew we needed to get there. So um, the, there was no buses. There was kind of no way to get over to that, that part of the country. Most people go in from Thailand and get a boat over. So we got a, we got a truck and we drove um, over to Bokeo province, where it is in, in, in Laos. The truck actually broke down uh, about <laughs> 2 a.m. at the checkpoint into Bokeo. And we're trying to keep like a low profile, just acting like you know tourists. I got my backwards cap on, like, hey, hey man, just here to see the casino. And then we, we break down and we spend the night with the Bokeo cop. Uh, um, we just got to watch them though and see that every single Chinese freight truck that comes through, not one of them was checked for anything. But mm-hmm. every single loud truck that came through, there was like a wee handover of uh, cigarettes or sometimes energy drinks. That seems to be the, the new bribe for these guys. And then we eventually get to um you know nearer the uh the SEZ. And on the way, there are checkpoints all through Laos, but on the way to King's Romans, they really, really pick up. And they stop you. And they open up the door and they're like super excited, the cops. And they're like, ni And I look at you surprised, like, because, you know, not a Chinese dude. And they're like really surprised. And they go, oh, oh, are you here to work? Like, ah, d- d- uh, no, no, just here to visit. And then, okay. And they look really confused. And then we go on. And we go up to the gate of King's Romans and the place is just like this city. It's it's like a small city, completely covered in barbed wire with like a shit ton of security all surrounding it. And the main gate is similar to the old uh, scam place in Cambodia. It's just almost exclusively Mercedes G-Wagons with Chinese dudes with tattoos just driving through, flashing a badge, not getting stopped. And the only cars getting checked are the ones coming out. Every town has
5: a dark side. This is Andrew Fitzgerald from the Everytown Podcast, where every single week we dive into insane and mysterious true crime stories, most of which you've never heard of. Stories like the bizarre disappearance of Tyler Davis in Columbus, Ohio, a 29-year-old father trying to find his way back to his hotel when he disappeared and was never heard from again, and Elizabeth Shove from Lugoff, South Carolina, who was abducted from her driveway by a madman and take into his underground bunker in the woods. We give you all the details you're interested in hearing about without any fluff or fillers, because ain't nobody got time for that. We cover everything from psychopaths to poltergeists, so go check out the Everytown podcast, because every town, no matter how nice it may seem, has a dark side.
0: Uh overwhelmed by investing if you're anything like us the hardest part is getting started that's why we created the investing for beginners podcast our goal is to
5: help simplify money so it
0: can work for you we invite guests to demystify investing
1: at least try to be setting aside like the minimum 10 percent into the 401k
5: i will teach you the basics of the market. Yeah, I think compound interest should be at the start of any discussion about investing. And We've had investment professionals who teach
6: in a simple way.
3: A valuation-driven bear market. You know, we, we haven't really seen yet, and I think everyone's thinking about it, but we haven't really seen yet.
5: Our Q&A episodes feature questions from listeners just like you.
6: So what do you think about the situation with ETBI, which is Activision?
0: I'm Dave Ahern. And I'm Andrew Sather. And we hope you join us on the Investing for Beginners podcast. Uh On the Investing for Beginners podcast and
3: they just check the trunks of those cars, we realize, all oh, right, so you're, you're looking for people who have maybe escaped. Mm-hmm. And we go up to the desk and we say, hey, we're just here to you know, go to the casino. We're just, uh, you know, love a bit of uh, Baccarat or, or whatever. And uh, the lady almost gives us a pass, but looks really, really confused. And then says, oh, no, no, I, I think you need to go to the uh, the other queue. I'm like, yeah, okay. So, so we go to the other queue and then everyone is just, a really, really kind of poor and kind of sad-looking Lao person um, waiting in queues, maybe it was a hundred of them, and all of their documents and all of their money seemed to be held by these Chinese dudes with the black t-shirts and the, and the tattoos again. And we go up and the, the lady at the desk of this processing queue just asked her nationality and just says, Oh, Indonesian? I'm like, I, well, well, no. And then Ukrainian? No. And she went, Oh, you won't be on the list yet. And we've like, not actually said our names. And we're trying to work out what was going on. And she said, it's okay. It's okay. Um, just sit down there. Someone will come and take your blood and then we'll get you processed. And now the thing that we heard about happening in Cambodia, which the Chinese authorities and the Cambodian authorities got really, really touchy about, it, were these stories where people weren't making money in the scam centers, so they started taking them as blood slaves so they could sell their blood for transfusions around the world. And that started oh, to get back to China. <laughs> yeah, man. And it started to really freak people out in China. So they shut this down really quickly, arrested people that made this claim, right? And then we looking around and like, oh, they want to take our blood. Uh, the only people going in are really parallel well, people with all their documents and all the money uh, with these Chinese gangsters, and realise, oh shit, we're in the trafficking queue. Everyone here well, is about to get in trafficked in a cage. <laughs> I'm like, that. Maybe is we, that should, what we have to do after Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, maybe we should just like give it a go and see what happens. And Lindsay was never, a bit smarter and said, No, let's not get that. traffic today. And, uh, so we started talking to people like through Google Translate and, and we're saying to the lady, like 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 one one woman's about to go through, like, Are you sure you want to go in Like we've heard uh, our friends have been told that they're not allowed to leave and she looked like not surprised but like scared and like kind of waved us away really quick Mm. and then I tried to speak to some of the what was essentially the traffickers on Google Translate it was actually quite hard with Mandarin and English um, but they were kind of willing to Talk and then they started getting kind of aggressive and then we and then we had to leave um, and then we just kind of went around the outside and we, we realized we couldn't we couldn't get into the compound at all and thought all right well there's there's no way of getting in there but on on um, on, on uh, Google Maps it's saying that the casino is busier than the normal so they're saying that the casino was closed it's clearly not we were just not the right Chinese gangster to get in so far we, right, well, we can't get in there we know it's happening and there's something really strange going on. And then we get to Thailand about six weeks later, and then it's opened up a bit more, and we're able to cross over from the Thai sides into King's Romans. And you just get a little speedboat, you go over, people go over to gamble for the day, or eat tiger, or pangolin, or whatever it is they do. And then we get in, and just instantly, you just see the slave compounds they're the exact same way that we've seen them in, Bo, uh, in Bokeo, um, in you know, Phnom Penh, Simutville, all throughout Cambodia, all throughout Laos. And they're the exact same like makeshift compounds that are built with barbed wire all about a dozen stories high and maybe about 10 buildings altogether. And the taxi driver is instantly like, that's the call centers. People aren't allowed to leave. Wow. And it's everywhere. And he also said that you have to have a special pass to go towards the entrance and the exit that takes you out to Laos. Like okay, so that explains why they're searching everyone that's coming out. They realise that people are escaping. It's really, really strictly controlled. Um, The casino itself is open, but I mean, it's just sad. It's just a sad. There's hardly anyone there, so it's just a few, you know, uh, kind of Chinese dudes that have been gambling in the casino for the last two years. There are some young girls in schoolgirl outfits getting ready for their shift around midday. It's just kind of bleak place. But the really, um, really weird thing is they're in the middle of building an airport. They're so going to have a, an airport in the middle of this SEZ. That means that they'll probably be able to get around to any form of customs checks, so they can just keep trafficking in as many people, products, or wildlife as they want directly into this international airport that doesn't need to go any, through any uh, any border checks. So yeah, the place is weird. Um, it's more quiet. It's got a fake. Uh, it's got a fake Starbucks. Um, that also sells. <laughs> uh, been, I, lo- I've been to this place. <laughs> have you been? I've been yeah. to this place.
2: Yeah, because it. Uh, oh yeah, that was a long, long old day into some pretty dark corners of that little town. <laughs> God,
3: it's a shithole. Um, it's it's yeah. fucking terrible, yeah, man. Yeah. The, the the menu, though, I thought the Starbucks looked really good. It was just lowercase, not all capitals, or you wouldn't have even known. And you look at the menu and and they've got some, you know, Starbucks classics, like a small handful of meat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you always have that with a latte in the morning when you get
2: up for work? <laughs> Beautiful. God, I love, I love the image of you guys going up to like Chinese gangsters and just thrusting an iPhone in their face with like Google <laughs> Translate asking, are you trafficking people into sex slavery or something like this? <laughs>
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like it, usually, freelance it it usually
3: works for us because because we, we are we are a couple as well and we can just kinda play on that. So mm. we were like we were investigating like the Cambodian military's involvement in illegal logging last year. And that involved like going into what we knew were military bases where the military were just building roads in Vietnam to smuggle timber over there, right? And they've shot people over this, but it's like you know, it's it's a super kind of scary thing. But then we'd just drive in and the military would come up handing their guns. And um, basically, what the fuck are you doing in this base? Yeah. And then Lindsay would get out in her hot pants and be like, is there a waterfall? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Quick, kiss me. Is that my phone on the film? Right? <laughs> so in this slaves to scam trade, how are people usually lured into doing what they're doing and, and what happens when they step foot in the SCZ? I mean, like, how does the whole process go from start to finish of capturing these people and forcing them into slavery?
4: So everyone we've spoken to has been um, approached over social media in some form or another. Some of it's people who are already inside the scam centres are told then to try and recruit more people. Um, But often it's just ads will come up that just say like there's a job in like admin or like online trading but you get full you know you get full training and it's like really good money and you get free accommodation and all this kind of stuff. Um, But one of the sort of more pernicious things we've been hearing is that social media influencers who are really popular in Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia especially sort of like beauty um, influencers that kind of thing are being approached and asked to sort of talk about these great jobs that have come up inside the casino complexes. Um, Yeah and that's how at least some of the girls especially girls that have been ended up in, in um, for sex work, have been brought into this as well, and um, there's like kids as young as 14. We've have uh, we've, we've, we've talked to rescuers who have tried to get out kids who are young as young as 14 that have been recruited over social media, um, and they're just basically told as long as you can use a phone and understand the internet and you speak one of these languages like either Chinese or Thai or Vietnamese or English or a combination of a couple of different ones, um, then yeah, that's all you need to do and you'll get paid really good money. So once they're then brought into an SEZ or a casino complex, um, they are what, what often happens is that because they are sort of self-contained Chinese run places, they then say you've got to do a couple of weeks quarantine as well. Still now, even after most quarantines have been lifted, Mm. um, they, um, and then they'll have to pay things like we were saying we saw on the gate. They'll have other extra costs all the way. The trafficker will have paid for, um, Know, pay for all their travel and everything and just say, you know, pay us back out of your first paycheck. Um, and then they'll arrive, they'll have to pay admin fees, they'll have to pay to have blood tests or blood taken and uh, COVID tests and all these things. And what they don't know is all of this is being added up and added up and added up. So by the time they come out of the quarantine period, they're told, oh, that job we told you that you had, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so you're going to have to work in this online scam. Um, and a lot of people, be- well, most people at that point say, I'm not working on an online scam, I want to go home. And they say, well, the thing is that you now owe us $10,000. So, mm-hmm. because we've paid for XYZ. So it's just your standard debt bondage situation, basically. Um, and then, um, what we were told by the guy that we interviewed in Laos, who'd been in there for six months, is that every month that you don't, you then are forced to sign a six month minimum contract. Um, but they tell you, you can leave after six months. Um, but on your first month, Um, they'll say, Oh, well, you didn't meet all your targets for scamming people this month. Um, so we're going to subtract your room and board from what you, you know, from what you get paid. And then the next month, you know, you take even more money out of that because you still haven't met your targets and it goes down and down and down until you start owing them even more money. So your debt is growing every month. Um, and then it gets to five and a half months and they say, Yeah, you're not profitable. We're going to sell you to another company. And at that point, your six month contract starts all over again. So there are people who just are trapped in there for years on end because they get sold every couple of months and every single time their contract resets but because there's a kind of semblance of a con- of some kind of legality because there are contracts flying around and there seem to be people are getting paid something it really confuses the police and authorities as well so it makes it even harder to deal with um, but yeah, once inside these places they're, locked, they're often locked inside dorms where they're not allowed to leave the dorm buildings at all for the six months they do everything and eat in there and everything um, and they are tortured or threatened um, or beaten if they try to leave People have told us that if they don't miss their tar- if they don't hit their targets or they try and take a photo or, or other small sort of you know infractions, they end up being put in solitary confinement, um, have food withheld. Like people are jumping out of windows, just um, really awful stuff. Mm. Um, so basically, it's just a combination of violence and threats and sale. Be told you are going to be sold, keeping people there. But then there's also. We don't know to what extent this is really happening and to what extent that some of this stuff is just rumours to scare people, but there's all these rumours flying around about things like organ harvesting, about blood slavery, about um that one guy we spoke to, he'd been convinced that they had this kind of human blender to get rid of human remains of people they'd killed. And the thing is that the more absurd these things sound, the less these people are believed when they eventually get out by the police. Mm-hmm. So whether or not they're true is just another kind of mechanism of control, really. It all becomes a win-win situation for the. For the traffickers and the scam companies, because if the people they've, they've held against their will do well, they make a ton of money out of them. And if they don't do well, they can just sell them on and make money out of them or ransom them um, to their families. So most families end up having to pay between sort of two and fifteen thousand dollars to get their kids back. So yeah, however, however they however they make their money out of them, it's, it works out for the scam companies basically. God,
2: it's quite uh, it's quite dark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and and so I guess we went into it a bit before but how does this scam actually work? How are they actually getting money from people? How are they making all of this cash?
3: The scams usually follow the the same formula basically where you will uh, you'll be in these compounds um, and you know there's dozens and dozens of these compounds in, in dozens of cities across Southeast Asia now and what happens is within each compound there's maybe like uh, 10 dorm rooms on each floor and uh, each dorm room will be running a different type of scam. But they usually f- follow a similar formula where you'll say Sit down, and they'll go into like a romance scam situation where you'll pretend to be a pretty Singaporean lady, basically. And you will use Facebook, you'll use WeChat, you'll use uh, Tinder, basically any social media, and you'll be given they basically have data on potential marks that you can target online. And I guess these are probably pretty lonely middle-aged dudes that may be susceptible to a, a pretty lady speaking to them on the internet and may have a little bit of cash in their pocket. And then you've got these, um, so say so, so, so it's a, you know, a a guy from Laos, he'll be sitting there and his job will be to entice seven men a day into the next stage. And what the plan is with each of these people is start building a relationship and if they want to have like pictures or phone conversations, there is a pretty lady in the room that they can hand over the phone for. So they're all kind of like working together to make it quite seamless. The plan is to try to get them to invest in some kind of, usually crypto scheme or some other type of investment. Sometimes it's gold, which is really big in that part of the world. And they're targeting people from everywhere. It depends on what language you speak. So it could be targeting Thai people, it could be targeting Chinese, it could be targeting Americans, Indians, anyone. Right? So if you're getting targeted online, there's a good chance that the people doing it are actually victims of slavery themselves trying to push through this formula. And then they'll say, hey, listen, I've got this like, great idea for, uh, for making a bit of money. And what they'll often do is they'll replicate uh, an actual crypto website uh, and they'll make it look exactly the same. And they'll send the link to it first and oh yeah, this looks good. And they'll send over the link of the replica and then people put money in. And it's, just, it's like as old as time, right? So they'll put a bit of money in, and then they'll get that money back. So maybe get a small return, like 20%, if they mm. put in like three or four grand. And the guy's like, all right, well, I'm not I'm not being scammed, right? And then maybe they even they start talking about marriage, and it gets deeper. And they may put a bit more money in, and again, may get it back. And then they go for the big one. And then you have people putting in their entire life savings. And then all that happens is, boom, the website's gone, conversation ceases, that profile shut down, and you don't hear from them again. Um, and there's just no way to trace it. There's no way to know where your, your money's actually went because they're actually quite sophisticated in how the, the kind of cyber aspect of it works. Um, and they've got seven of them going a day. Uh, and then they'll get another seven the next day. So the amount of money these places are making is is just enormous, which is why we you know we know that this continues in known sites and compounds in busy cities because the money's going to senior government, it's going to senior military people because there's just so much cash flying around that it's really really n- there's not much incentive to stop poor people getting trafficked.
2: Yeah, you really need to join the journalism trade to like immunize yourself from this kind of scam, right? Because there's nothing there's nothing coming out the other way if you, if you do get scammed by a, <laughs> uh, a fake singaporean 22 year old on the other end of the line but um so so just, the casinos have kind of branched into this they're being run by the mafias that have traditionally been making their money from the wildlife and mm. the drug trade and the casino floor mm. um no one appears to be stopping them i mean you mentioned ecopop and his facebook group and um, rescuing up to 140 people of, at last count uh, from these scams. Like, who is actually, is there anyone else helping with this effort? Is a police or governments trying to get involved or are these SCZs just completely off the map and, uh, and sort of, yeah, unenforcement?
4: Um, I think actually it's, it's really complicated because there are actually um, a lot of... Um, uh, there are actually a lot of people who are really upset about this. There are lots of individual police and like, um, and soldiers, especially in Thailand, actually, because a lot of, there aren't really any of these SEZ scams that we know of within Thailand itself, but there's a lot of Thai victims in Laos and, and Myanmar and Cambodia. Um, and like, there have actually been re- rescue missions. I say sort of like rescue missions, but like, in order to be rescued normally, you would have had to pay some form of ransom first. Um, yeah? and then the police go in and sort of make a big deal out of how they're rescuing people, but, they've actually just negotiated a a ransom. Mm. Um, um, So, like, but there have been rescue missions where um, like, the Thai police and Thai military have persuaded the Cambodians to let them come over and try and get their own people out of a a known compound. And then they've actually stood at the door for eight hours, and the people running the compound are like, well, no, you're not coming in. And they have to negotiate a certain amount of money at the gate to go and get anybody out of there, and the Cambodian police are just standing there like, I'm sorry, we don't know what to do. Um, And it's just completely insane, like, how little power they have. So, there are definitely people who are like on like, who are complicit there have been a whole bunch of awful cases where um people have taken information to uh, the police or per- and terrified parents have tried to contact like the like um the authorities and then that that information has clearly been passed on to the scam companies and then their child disappears again um so there are definitely people who are corrupted within the system um but it mostly just seems to be a general terror of going into SEZs or casinos and upsetting the business interests of people who are much more powerful than you. Um, and I think that there you know, there are it's not just Ekopop. there are other um, uh, vigilante and uh, volunteer rescue people. Um, there's a woman called Tanrak in, uh, up in the Golden Triangle that we spoke to who spent the best part of a year trying to get kids uh, aged 14 to 18 out of King's Romans. Um, but the, the the actual authorities really just can't do anything without the help and complicity of their um, you know of their colleagues in the countries where the SECs are based, and they're not willing to go against powerful people in their own country.
1: Well, I, I
2: mean, you, you mentioned like there's there's a certain degree of victim blaming as well, right? And people who have been counter. Sort of a, a, attacked by the police for bringing up cases.
4: Yeah, um, yeah, it's awful. So um, the the worst one of these um, was in Sinekville. Um There was a guy. There was well, there's a guy called um, Chen Baorong who uh, is a bit of a hero. Uh, he runs a thing called the China Cambodia Charity uh, China Cambodia Charity Team in Sinekville, um, which was one of the only. Uh, groups really trying to negotiate the release of Chinese people who were trapped inside some of these places, um, and he sort of started off being treated as a bit of a hero by local by local police and authorities, and I think he became potentially a bit of an irritant uh, because he was helping get people out of some compounds that maybe were a little bit uncomfortably close to, you know, political figures. Um, so he helped get this one guy out uh, who said that he had been used as a blood slave. Um, so basically, yeah, just used to harvest his blood for sale. Um, this guy was checked by a doctor in Cynicville who said that his story checked out. And then the story kind of went mental. Um, and uh, it kind of went, and it got back to China and it caused this massive um, out, uproar, I guess, in China. Um, and then the Cynicville uh, authorities became very, very keen on shutting it down and saying it was made up. So the guy who was apparently, or says he was a blood slave, um, was put in prison. But Chen Baorong, the guy who ran the volunteer group, he is now still in prison too, awaiting trial for spreading fake news because he repeated what this guy had told him um, to like to the press. Um, so it's now become really, really frightening for some people um, t- to be seen to be helping anyone get out of these places. Um, and it's very frightening for people uh, who escape, who have been told that they are lying um, about very specific details uh, and then threatened with legal action as well. Um, so yeah, it can be a very dangerous thing to help people, either who are inside still or once they're out.
3: I, I, f- I think as well, there's it, it, it's important to realise just how powerful these organised crime groups are in Southeast Asia. And there's a lot of discussion about, like, you know, the the kind of the the, the, the cartels in Latin America and, and and how huge they are and the power they have. But there's more money being made in, say, the drug trade and with an organised crime in Southeast Asia. But it's not nearly as violent. And that is because they have such a monopoly over it all. Because they they are often not just like bribing the government. The governments of like Cambodia specifically, but also Laos and Myanmar is a whole other story. They're actually actively involved in this. There are high level officials who facilitate the trade of drugs, of weapons, of people, of, of, of timber through the entire region. And, and it's often these like Chinese organized crime groups are able to basically do whatever they want as long as, and this goes back to the Hongmen patriotic societies, as long as China's kind of happy with them. So it works out. As- is this like Belt and Road Initiative like for the mafia basically where you have organized crime groups who do whatever they want but as long as they support ideas like Taiwan and Hong Kong are part of China and they'll support Chinese business growing then Xi Jinping's government kind of lets them do what they need to do and that's the case of organized crime all around the world of China if they're kind of pro-CPP then it's okay then then they can continue to operate so when the blood slave thing came out that became embarrassing for China so then they had to do a few raids and shut it down a little bit because they don't want it coming back domestically as long as these things stay out of China same with drugs and weapons then it's okay for them and then these Chinese mafias can just grow and just completely take over uh, the countries like Cambodia that just have absolutely like no alternative but to take the cash and, and, and allow the, the kind of illicit trade to go through the country
2: yeah, I think that's something that we've looked at with the fentanyl trade as well, that the mm. CCP is mm. the, at the most charitable stretch, uh, neg- negligent to the extreme <laughs> about the industry and yeah. 99.9% uh, actively sort of promoting it uh, in certain parts of the mm. world. Um, mm. So you guys just come back. I mean, are you going to be working on any more stories through this? sounds like, I mean some of the sort of offshoots of this are absolutely insane. I mean, this guy with the bald, no, with the shaved-headed nuns, I mean, that is (laughs) insane. Um, So what what were you kind of working on? What's what's coming up for you guys?
3: Well, so we've got... um you know, we've got a few big investigations we've been looking into, like, into, like, more on the illegal logging and the wildlife trade. They're coming out for the, the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. But we're, we're looking into hopefully doing a really big, detailed investigation and, in, into this, um, and really linking up who the people are involved in. But it's been a weird thing pitching it, man. Like, um, <laughs> trying to pitch it as a, as a story. All the kind of journals that have been covering this in places like Cambodia, um, especially the local journalists who are, are getting arrested for it. As well, people like Megdara in Cambodia are uh, taking tremendous risks. But we've all been like pitching this to international outlets, and so few have shown any interest. And fundamentally what this is is like tens of thousands of people are in massive modern slavery compounds in the middle of busy cities and we all know where it is. And like, these big publications are like, oh, what's 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 the angle? Like what's a specific <laughs> uh, oh, okay, <laughs> like, <hate> the specific <laughs> yeah. thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it probably just sounds so unbelievable but it's really hard to, to 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 you know to try and like create this list like um digestible content that people will, will read in the newspaper and go oh yeah okay I understand so you need like a few pieces to be written about it first and then then editors start to get interested in but it's been a it's been a headache trying to get the story out here so that's a big part of why we're happy to be on here today man and just yeah. and just kind of like spread this spread the word a little bit about this I mean this affects everyone anyone yeah. who's getting scammed yeah. you could you could could be a slave yeah. <laughs> Look,
4: editors,
2: let, that- get your fingers out of your asses, all right, and do, like, <laughs> commission this story, because it's, it's <laughs> insane. Yeah, it's it's on such a yeah. huge scale. I mean, presumably, so many different towns and casinos and places around the region, these giant complexes, there must be thousands of people who are mm. getting...
4: Yeah. Yeah, we some of them we're pretty sure it must be like tens of thousands just in just in the Golden Triangle, SCZ. Um the, the, the dorms are huge, and there's just there's just stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked behind each other, and we, yeah, tens maybe hundreds of thousands of people trapped. Um, yeah. the, the scale of it is just enormous and it's just wrecking whole, cause it's, it's obviously wrecking the lives of the people there. But then every single one of those people probably has a family back home getting themselves into serious debt somewhere in the countryside to pay their ransom to get them out. So the kind of ripple effect of damage this is doing throughout Southeast Asia, it's just absolutely enormous.
2: Yeah. Yeah, nice. No, it's, it's it's hugely tragic. Um, mm. And yeah, I guess we don't do many calls to action at the end of our episodes, but in this case, <laughs> please commission more stories by these guys because what they're doing is amazing. Thank um, thanks so much for coming on the show, guys. Like that was wow. There's a lot of information there, and uh, I think I think you've broken it down really, really amazingly. Um, hope to hear from you soon, and, and best of luck with uh, the future stories from that trip because. Yeah, there's a lot more to come, I would imagine.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks a so lot. It was yeah, great thanks to be so Cheers.
0: An official message from Medicare.